Hello and welcome to an informed life radio on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager, and with me is Javier Figueroa, PhD. <laughs> Hello, radio and internet world. Yes. <laughs> We're so grateful to be here. We love all the members of Informed Choice Washington who donate every single month to bring this show to the airwaves uncensored. We bring you the news you need to know to live an informed life, or at least some of it. You know, I, I it's been a little while since I said this, Javier, and I need to always say, you know, I'm not a doctor, you're a doctor, but... um. A, a, a PhD science a PhD, researcher. Exactly. Uh, we're not attorneys and we're, we act like know-it-alls. I mean, at least I do. I've got to admit, but I, you know, I'm just giving you information that I find that is compelling and I want you to take it and explore further. And, and um, we have to become critical thinkers and, and critical um, explorers in life, especially for the most important conversations, right? Absolutely. There's no yeah. question about that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and I also want to thank uh, Children's Health Defense. We're streaming there now live too, and in their gener generosity and helping bring this information to uh, a much wider audience. So we really appreciate that. You know, Javier, I was looking around at, at CHD a little bit earlier here. I want to share with you something here. Let's go. Let's do it. Um, um, you know, you're relatively new to the... Um, Let's see where we've got that show up strong. I think it's here. Yeah, let's do this to the whole movement of informed consent, medical freedom and understanding the the issues with Correct. public health agencies and oversight agencies. Um, are you able to see this? I'm, I'm off tab. So I hope I'm showing this little rumble screen here. There we go. There we go. Yay. OK, so I'm going to play for you. But before I begin to play this. Uh, I wonder if I can make it bigger. Let me see if I can do that. There should be a tab, yeah. Yeah, is there a tab? Those who are just listening, bear with me a second. I'll just leave it the way it is. But <laughs> um, in, in in the front is, in the middle, you probably recognize uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. in the middle. Do you recognize that Capitol building? Oh, yes. There, yeah, that's, that's the Supreme Court, isn't it? No, that's in Olympia, Washington. That's the back side oh, of the building in Olympia. You know, usually it's the other side that you see photographs of. This is this is the back side of the, with the Capitol steps. And we're standing right next to him with her arms in the air is our wonderful Gina. And she is um, a former board member and now uh, advisor to the board. And, you know, you keep going. I could name all these wonderful names, but I'm over there on the right. Right. I've got kind of a, <laughs> a, you know, this, this is from um, 2019. Look at that massive crowd. And wow. I think you probably were not aware this even happened because this was no. before you were involved. And this is when the Washington State um, 
legislature had dropped a few alarming bills to yes. remove the personal exemption. The mm -hmm. big, biggest, ugliest one that would have removed the personal exemption to all vaccines uh, dropped aside. Uh, and the one that came that made it all the way through was removing the personal exemption to the measles vaccine because there was right. really that fake um, measles outbreak. It was an inbreak, not an outbreak. Correct. Well, we could spend a whole show, and maybe we will someday, going over the fraud and malfeasance that happened um, in trying to straight terror in the heart of the legislators and the public. Correct. It was really alarming. But it was so cool that I went to CHD today, and this is Show Up Strong in 2022, and they had this great video. So I'm going to play for you the um, this little compilation they have. Are you hearing that? You can hate me, try to break me, talk me down and Integrate me, you can try to silence every word, but I will not be leaving quietly now. I won't leave, I won't leave, I will not be leaving quietly. You can mock me, try to outsmart me, you can shame me and try to blame me. You can do your best to shut me up. But I will not be leaving quietly now. I won't leave. I won't leave. I will not be leaving quietly. I'm gonna stand here and I'll fight for every word. I'm gonna shout the truth until you know it's heard. I'm gonna stand here and I'll fight for every word. I'm gonna shout the truth until you know it's heard. I won't leave. I won't leave, I will not be leaving quietly, no, I won't leave, I won't leave, I will not be leaving quietly. Isn't that awesome? That was such a nice, great roundup of all the, uh, um, um, protests and gatherings from around the country. Yes, it, it certainly was. And and um, for those who couldn't see the images, um, and, and if you're new to it, you might not have recognized the images. It was mm -hmm. a blend of pre-COVID and COVID. Um, a lot of these people are moms, uh, mostly. Um, yes. A lot of great dads, too, and doctors and scientists. But they, we were very much alone in the world. Yes. Saying, hey, we got big issues here. And because those systemic issues were made to be controversial and people kept their heads down and didn't want to speak up, that allowed COVID um, chaos to happen. Right. Correct. That allowed the suppression of early treatment protocols. It allowed the suppression of the risks and dangers of the vaccines. All of that was in place. Yep. You know, and so, you know, it's so... I hate that anybody's been harmed in any of this what's going on, but I tell you, the world's going to be a better place because people are waking up. <laughs> and the one thing I have to say is, you know, the, one of the side effects of uh, all the, the the work that everyone has done with basically informing people about vaccine and informed consent and informed choice mm -hmm. is that the, the ones that survived, the ones that were able to stick around are now the foundational infrastructure for the movement that is now going on against vaccine mandates. Yeah. 
You're right. That you, we did have a lot of uh, infrastructure in place to help us move forward. It's yes. um, it's a little frustrating. Well, very frustrating that the um, many of our avenues of expression and sharing information um, have been censored or shadow banned. Right. And, uh, you know, but we're, we're making it work anyway. We're finding other ways. We're here on the radio. There's a print newspaper out now called The Flame. Go to, um, is it theflame.com or theflameusa.com? I'll, I'll straighten that out a little bit later. Make sure you have the right uh, web address to go get it. It's a print newspaper. You can see some of it online. But, you know, we want this. It's starting in Washington State, and we want it to spread throughout the country. It's it's news they can't censor because it's printed. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that I'd love to see where we came from, where we're going. Good things for everyone. Uh, you know, consumer protection all the way around. But, Javier, let's talk about that petition that you filed on behalf of Informatrice Washington. Yes. Um, because <clears throat> Wednesday was the Board of Health meeting where they um, discussed it and voted on it. But So I want to refresh our listeners and tell people who are new what it was all about, uh, the rulemaking petition. Now let me go ahead and pull up this petition for adoption of a new rule. So what you submitted, I'm going to read a little bit here. Absolutely. Uh, and again, this is very yeah. controversial, people. Very yeah. controversial. Yeah. You know, are you able to see that where you are, um, yes. Javier? Yes, I can see it from my... Uh, this is your submission. So why don't you go ahead and read this yes. language here in your voice? <laughs> very well. <clears throat> As noted in the petition filing, we are requesting the Washington State Board of Health adopt a new permanent rule prohibiting the board from adding to the daycare or school requirements any emergency use authorization, acronym is EUA, product, or any licensed product formulation which has not yet completed phase three clinical trials. And that's really the uh, controversial part. God mm -hmm. forbid we actually go through and do a full phase three clinical trial. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I had to put that in there. A little we'll aside that was a not little aside. <laughs> This new rule request pertains to any and all avenues to which the board has authority to add medical intervention requirements, including through regular emergency use rulemaking. We are requesting this rule because despite the absence of any FDA-licensed COVID-19 vaccine formulation with complete phase three trial studies in children, and despite CDC-acknowledged risks of myocarditis and blood clots, and the data showing children are not at high risk of severe disease or death from COVID-19, the Board of Health has gathered a technical advisory group, TAG, to ensure adding COVID-19 vaccines to daycare and school requirements. This new rule is needed immediately to ensure that federal EUA regulations are upheld. And again, this is about upholding existing EUA regulations. That's an aside. And to protect fully informed consent, which prohibits the use of coercion or undue influence, such as can be exerted by state requirements. This new rule would impact and protect all minor children and their parents and guardians in Washington state. And yeah, there it is. There it is. And then uh, you, we attached, we work on this together yes. here, the addendum, and we attached federal emergency use authorization statutes, and we quoted uh, 
we quoted them. One quote from the FDA is, the possible side effects of the vaccine are still being studied in clinical trials. Under EUA, there is an option to accept or refuse receiving the vaccine. And then we give the link. Then we state to the Board of Health that the option to accept or refuse an EUA product is not conditioned upon written assertion or exemption. That's right. Medical, personal, or religious exemptions are not required in order to exercise the right to refuse. Under EUA law, a parent or guardian may simply decline a shot for their minor child without providing explanation or paperwork. A state-level daycare or school requirement introduces the need for filing of exemptions unlawfully exceeding the parameters set forth by Congress for EUA products. And then we quote again the FDA, which states, FDA believes that the terms and conditions of an EUA issued under Section 564 preempt state or local law, both legislative requirements and common law duties that impose different or additional requirements on the medical product for which the EUA was issued in the context of the emergency declared under 564. So, Javier, that means that even if they were to mandate these products under e that are still under EUA, the parents could just say no. And anyone, including private businesses, if they mandate it for their employees, the employees have an absolute right to say no. And by the way, that includes masks as well. Yes, it, it and does. Right. And the frustrating thing has been um through all of this is that it seems in the United States of America right now that the law is far less important than the political will Correct. to do otherwise. Correct. It's very frustrating. And then we went on and we 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 provided more information um about unknown safety. We provided um information from an international alliance of physicians and medical scientists, more than 15,000 um, doctors and scientists signed onto a declaration saying that children should not be vaccinated. That um, and, and this was just going to be our um, initial foray into, um, into giving them information. We asked for time to provide more information and to provide expert testimony, but they declined that ask to to do that they said that's not part of their standard procedure and and i know that that is true that they they rarely give anybody time to outside of public comment time to right. further depend i mean when you submit that that's pretty much it but they said we could submit more written comment which right. we did and i will encourage individuals let me see if i can find it again um <clears throat> See if I can find. We did submit something that we. I think that a lot of people will want to go look up. Let me see where that. Um, I think I put it here. Uh, I think it's on the same page. So I put an update. So yes, I. There it did. is. Okay. Yep. So if you go look for this post on our. Um, it's the post called "Comments." Your comments attend and attendance needed at the BOH meeting. Um, what we did was we looked at the nine criteria um, that the DOH or the Board of Health set for themselves where they would look at 
any uh, product or vaccine they're considering yes. uh, requiring for school. And they, they were going to measure it against these <clears throat> nine criteria. So we looked at those nine criteria against what is known about the COVID shots. And we provided a document. Um, everything in red you will see on that document um, is language from the criteria. Then we say, ask, do any of the COVID-19 shots fulfill this criterion? The answer was always no. And then we we explain why and we cite, you know, all of our um, reasons why. So it's 29 pages long if you include the, the two introductory pages. Um, and I reminded the Board of Health this, that... We know that they have tremendous amount of trust in the CDC and the FDA still. And after two years of witnessing all this chaos coming from those entities, if they still trusted those entities, I wanted to point out one thing that really should show they, their, their faith in them was misplaced. Right. So we included in this cover letter, we wrote, if after the past two years of witnessing the erratic federal responses to COVID, you still have faith in federal recommendations, we ask you to consider one clear example that reveals the federal agencies and committees do not deserve your trust. In the absence of a single co-administration safety study, the ACIP approved and the CDC actively promotes this message and quote, this is from the CDC, COVID-19 vaccine and other vaccines may be administered on the same day. Go ahead. What do you got to say? <laughs> <clears throat> that is so lacking in just basic safety and toxicological understanding and it basically is tossing, um, basically it's saying we're the authority, we're tossing the science out the window. If you don't have any evidence, if you can't even show you a safety profile where you can administer two different products at the same time and say, it's all good. Yeah. I mean, right there, that, that's basically uh, disregarding public health and safety to the nth degree. Yeah. And, and who will be harmed the most are the children Correct. because it's the children who are still being exposed to so many and the promotions going around through many of the state health departments, including the Washington state department of health is it's back to school time or, you know, time to get your kids caught up on their shots. Hey, get the COVID shot while you're at it. Encouraging parents to do that. Not a whisper, not a word that there are zero studies co-administering these shots. So tell us, Washington State Department of Health, Tennessee Department of Department Health, Health. Yeah. Uh, um, CDC, FDA, everybody, ASIP, tell us what happens when you inject a 13-year-old child with an mRNA or a DNA product that makes their body begin to generate millions of copies of a spike protein Mm -hmm. At the same time, they are getting an adjuvanted vaccine like HPV or DTAP or Tdap with aluminum adjuvant. And the one yep. in HPV is a very highly reactogenic aluminum adjuvant, which revs up your immune system. What happens when your immune system is kicked to high gear at the same time? It is making spike proteins and then trying to make antibodies to the spike proteins. I mean... 
this is really concerning. And yes. this is what they did. This is what they did. This shows absolute, you cannot trust them. ACIP needs to be dismantled. Some of them need to go to jail as far as I'm concerned. This is criminal. No. And the fact that you have people that can go off one year and uh, work for a private company and then spend a year doing something else and then join the board and they consider that you're free of conflict of interest is unbelievable. That's yeah. actually federal policy at this point. Yeah. So it's yeah. a revolving door where conflict of interest is rampant and there are mm -hmm. ways around it. Again, it's all about following the letter of the law, not the yeah. spirit of the law, which is right. basically we're trying to create a division between public servants and people that work in private corporations that have a conflict of interest because their product might be taken up by a federal agency. Yes, 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 exactly. So now we are going to go over to TVW. So um, look at that. They've got an ad on the side uh, for expanding college and career opportunities. And they show like three people in a row with masks on. That's so creepy to me. Is it's this the new normal? It, yeah, everybody lined up with these blank eyes. Oh, it's just so, and it, it has nothing even to do with COVID. It's about back to college. Okay. Oh, and, and by the way, <laughs> Rochelle Walensky and one of the head consultants for the CDC, yeah, went out stated cloth masks offer no protection against uh, viral infections. Yeah. Period. And surgical masks. This is something coming in from a public official. Yes. So the the. <laughs> The head of the, the CDC, quite the actress who likes to glance down at her notes and then mm -hmm. drum up some fake tears, is finally admitting after telling everybody that they have to wear these products, that they don't work. I mean, <laughs> the about face right now is crazy, Javier. Absolutely um, crazy. So, but on this Wednesday, our petition was on the board of health agenda. And first of all, I have to say that the board of health got a uh, quite, quite a rude awakening, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so I'll explain to listeners who might not be aware of, of what happened. The board of health over the years, not many people pay attention to what they're doing and they put up, their staff puts up agendas and they're very short, one page, maybe page and a half, and they just have agenda items. And if they're looking at or addressing, working on a a, a rule change in a petition of their WAC, the Washington Administrative Code, um, they just put the number mm -hmm. up there. Yep. And so in three places, they just threw the number up there. And people who are newly paying attention but don't understand the history, they don't know the Board of Health's work, you know, they don't understand what's going on. They looked at that and they looked up the section of code and there was alarm and outrage and it went viral. Some of the, some of the misunderstanding became misinformation and went, yes, viral. And went viral. It was crazy how it, it turned into things like Washington state legislature Correct. Votes yeah. on WAC, which the legislature can't vote on a WAC. It, it's not a law. It's the administrative code, um, you know, to quarantine against their will, Washington state citizens who refuse to get vaccinated. That's exactly. what it turned into. <laughs> it so just, yeah. can, you, can you explain the difference to the radio listeners? What an RCW, what are the difference between an RCW and a WAC? <clears throat> Yeah. So the way I understand it, um, the revised 
code of Washington, the RCW, is what the legislature passes. Those are bills that become law that are passed by the legislature, okay? But those laws, in order for them to be put into practical application among the general public, often have to have language written called WAX, the Washington Administrative Code. And it just takes that new law and then explains how it's going to work in, in practical Correct. language. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So um, the RCW that's, that was created many years ago that says certain vaccines will have to be required for school, um, they left the determination of those certain vaccines to the 10-member, hand-selected by the governor, State Board of Health. Okay. And so that's why it's so important, this particular whack, because if they open it up, they can add or take things out. I've never known them to take anything out, nope. but they can add things. And then when people saw the whack number that has to do with um, school vaccines and they had no idea it was our petition, Javier. Yeah. They thought they, that they were going to be voting that day whether to add COVID shots to school. Ah. And so that was one of the misunderstandings. I won't go into depth with the other. Some others had to do with isolation and quarantine. That all went right. crazy. Um, but people became aware that there were parts of the law that they didn't know existed. So that was exactly. really good. <laughs> yes. And the Board of Health and the Department of Health are now really aware that people will not stand for any more shenanigans, isolation, quarantine against your will, forced shots or anything. We exactly. ain't having any of it. They had written comments, and I see there's a second batch up there now, and I haven't gone to explore it. Um, first batch had more than 3,500 pages. We'll see how many the second batch. And more than 7,500 people signed up to give oral testimony. Obviously, they couldn't fit it in. They did expand their normal 20-minute public comment period to... Uh, and about an hour and a half, yeah. which was obviously wasn't enough for more than 7,000 people. Um, and there was a lot of outrage uh, yeah. voiced. It was it was pretty powerful. <clears throat> and um, yeah, so then at the end of the meeting, I'm going to I'm going to play for you a little bit here. Let's see if I can get it going here. Yeah. Support there you go. TVW web services. Oh, they have to give their little plug. I can't skip Primera. it. <laughs> in progress all right good morning welcome to the wednesday oh, that's January not the place hold on amigo already under any circumstance yeah. the got to go to 425 um, I think. there we go child care uh, almost let me back up okay here we go Before. people thank you temple welcome happy to have you today um Next, we're going to skip number 10. They ran out of time. They had to skip number right 10. We're going to move along to number 11, which is the rulemaking petition. And sorry, I should have uh, for that, uh, Dr. Pendergrass, you and Samantha are up again. It's because it's we're both so popular. Um, the Administrative Procedures Act, RCW 34.05.330, allows any person to petition a state agency to request adoption, amendment, or repeal of any rule. 
Upon receipt of a petition, the agency has 60 days to either one, deny the petition in writing, stating the reasons, and as appropriate, offer other means for addressing the concerns raised by the petitioner, or two, accepting the petition and initiate rulemaking. On December 28, 2021, the board received a petition from Xavier Figueroa, um, and Javier uh, is a PhD. He uh, filed on behalf of Informed Choice Washington, requesting new rules prohibiting the board from including certain products in Chapter 246-105 WAC, immunization of child care and school children for vaccine preventable diseases. The petition specifically requests that the board adopt rules that would prohibit any product with an emergency use authorization or any licensed product formulation which has not completed phase three clinical trials from inclusion in the rule. The petition states the board has convened a technical advisory group, which we've heard about, that we he's concerned that the uh, Food and Drug Administration has not licensed the COVID any of the COVID vaccines for uh, five to 12 year olds. And he believes that uh, convening this tag uh, without uh, clarity of, of any risks uh, is, is not a good thing. He has uh, um, the, the board, the, I'm sorry, the uh, petition has been presented. Uh, I hope everyone has read it. Uh, and at this point, uh, I'm going to say we need to bring to the board uh, this petition uh, and um, a discussion of whether or not to initiate rulemaking. Um, board members, questions or comments? Well, Tom, I, I have one question um, for you or Samantha or, or maybe other board staff. Um, has the board ever adopted for inclusion on the um, school mandatory vaccine schedule, a vaccine that is not fully approved, where it only has an EUA. Have, has, is there any history of the board ever having done that before? Do we know? I'm pausing to let others respond. Sam? I'm Chair Kroner. To my knowledge, no, the board has not uh, done that. Chair Gellner, I actually think that's probably not totally correct, but it was a long time ago. Remember that the State Board of Health is the only board that was created by the Constitution of the State of Washington. That means we've been around since the late 1800s. We know that with uh, the SOC and Sabin vaccines, that they were in, uh, implemented for first voluntary, then uh, a, um, required uh, admission to schools uh, in the 1950s. So the answer to the question strictly has to be, yes, it's been done in the past. One of the challenges I think is- Javier, I'm gonna pause right there. Um... Stop sharing and go to you for a second. Hope we'll be able to go right back because there's a couple of things I want to point out here. Yeah. 
First of all, you notice the big gaps of silence when he tries to drum up conversation. There's not. Yes. A, yeah. The, this has been the past few meetings. Anytime he has attempted to talk about either the tag for that they have formed to discuss COVID shots for school um, or even this. But then later on, people do come in and, and they support him. You will see. So I found that really interesting. Um, <clears throat> and the other thing is he brought up. Well, he said there was an example in the past um, polio, but as you and I both know, emergency use authorization didn't even exist until 2004. Correct. Right? And the FDA did not have a procedure or didn't have a set of procedures that are as advanced now in the 1950s. We're talking about, and most most people don't know about what the SOC and Sabin vaccines are, the the outcomes of a lot of these clinical trials were. Yeah. Sock right. is a, is an active. It's 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 a live virus. It's slightly attenuated, but that caused so many cases of poliomyelitis, other neurological conditions that they had to stop and silence and keep it quiet for a lot. The Sabin yeah. vaccine is considered is basically an inactive, basically a shell of the polio virus. Yeah, yeah, and it um, that's the inactive one. Um, but was it more live because then they moved to an even more inactive one later, right? Correct. It, right. It, okay. The Sabin um, had it, a lot less side effects. Right. When they got to the point that there were more uh, people being paralyzed by mm-hmm. the vaccine than paralyzed by polio, right. right? So they just don't know. That first rollout of the first vaccine, they had to shut it down. They shut it down. You know, on our website, when I've got a post up there where I go over the outcome of this meeting and what some people said, I link to an actual CNN article. I got to, I got to go over there real quick and, and um, let's see uh, this, the name of this thing at CNN was, um, let me pull it up. This was back in 2020, before the, you know, vaccines had really, you know, um, just before they had been given emergency use authorization. The title of their their story is Past Vaccine Disasters Show Why Rushing a Coronavirus Vaccine Now Would Be Colossally Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? Yeah, here. Wow. I'll, uh, let me let me go. I I got to show you you that because Please. it's really you, you got to see it. It's so fun to to be able to just actually see that. I'm getting a little faster at jumping over here at these. Um, there we go. That's perfect. Um, yeah, isn't that lovely? Past vaccine disasters show why rushing a coronavirus vaccine now would be colossally stupid. But what happened was the machinery that exists globally to silence anything negative about a vaccine kicked into gear as soon as emergency use authorization was given and the vaccines began to roll out. We had this massive in place, shut her down Mm -hmm. um, system. Yep. And then the social media uh, players, you know, the globalists were there kicking you off Facebook and, and YouTube and Twitter. If you dared be critical um, and you couldn't get anything in print or anything. It's just, and then came the mocking. Oh, you can't trust bears. Oh, you can't trust this. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know. You know what I mean? The whole thing, it just got oh, crazy. Yeah. But this is what they honestly felt before, right? And Amazing. it was colossally stupid. And yes. if I made a segue from here, I'd like to share just a little bit 
uh, yeah. of what's what oh, let's see what we got right here one second going to share this screen okay and it's and it's going to be basically the res- oh, the results of what what Vares has been showing right now can you see my screen yes all right so what we have right here this is straight from Vares i've done nothing other than look for deaths stroke all cases of stroke and mm-hmm. myocarditis and what's interesting is we start from January 2018 all the way uh, to December 2021. Mm-hmm. And remember, vaccine rollout started October, November. And what you have is an incredible spike of r- reports of death from the VARES system that reached to about 1,200 deaths to about 1,348 deaths at its peak, wow. followed by stroke. And this is in you know January, February, March, and then mm-hmm. followed by myocarditis later mm-hmm. on in May, June, which mm-hmm. is right after you start uh, you know trying to push this onto kids. Yeah, real. There's a real a concerted wave of deaths, mm-hmm. stroke, and myocarditis reported by bears. And wow. again, when we look over at the cumulative, that is, instead of looking at a month to month. A snapshot, which is what's here on the left, if you start looking at the month to month, at the year to year number of deaths, stroke, and myocarditis reported to, to VARES, all of a sudden you go from 20, you know, 2018, 2019, 2020, they're barely, you can barely see the columns. But then when you get the strokes, you're almost reaching 10,000 deaths reported at VARES, almost 5,000 uh, strokes reported to VARES, and almost, uh, you know, in 2,349 reported cases of myocarditis. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, thank you so much for that, for doing that. That is a beautiful graph. Uh, Send it to me. I'll get it up on the website. (laughs) (laughs) On on Highwire yesterday, um, uh, Dell was uh, interviewing Aaron Siri and they were talking about in fact, I haven't finished even watching that segment. I had to prepare for this show, but the the, the V-Safe app. Yeah. you know, the, the CDC suddenly panicked and realized that VAERS wasn't going to be able to capture, you know, because it's a it's a lousy system. It's not a yeah. catcher everything. It's complicated to report into, right? Um, and so they created, I love the way they call it, V-safe, like as if, oh, yeah, it's going to keep you safe. No, it's just reporting that you've been injured. Um, and And it's an app for your phone. And the CDC itself, last time I checked, was reporting that they believe less than 10% of people were using it. Um, But we know it's much easier to use, at least initially, than going and trying to navigate VARES. VARES can be very difficult to file a report. Correct. And. And so people were using it. And I know people who have used it. And it's extremely frustrating, though, because if you've got something that doesn't fit some of the standard little things you could tick off and you're trying to put information, there's not like free form places to enter. But they have had. Oh, gosh. Now, don't quote me here, but I'm going to give all the numbers lately are so huge. It's it's like I feel like I'm exaggerating, but I'm probably not. It was like 100 million. A hundred million um, uh, entries into that V safe. Now I don't know if that counts multiple entries per person, right? Or that's how many people um, you know filed distinct reports. We don't know. The problem is, is we don't have access to the we data. We don't have access to the data. And so um, Aaron Siri and his team they are they're suing 
to get um, access to de-identified um, data there. Mm -hmm. I guess there's some private company that runs it and they have access to all the de-identified data. And, and so what they were saying is, you know, most people probably who were going to report something probably did the V-safe. Right. And fewer people. So we're, we're talking staggering numbers of harm. And, and somebody pointed out early in all this that, you know, dead people can't use apps. So you're going to be safe app on your phone unless your loved one pick it up after you had a stroke and entered that, hey, I'm dead. You know, Correct. Yep. so I don't mean to joke. I don't mean to make light of people who've lost their loved ones. This is a very serious subject, but, you know. No. And again, that's yeah. exactly the point. And we have all these reports, uh, you know, from now nine individual independent reports, Steve Kirsch over at, um, um, what's his site? Trial Site News. Yeah. Oh, uh, I love Trial Site News. Yeah. Basically said, you know, most of the reports are all converging around a 44 times underreporting factor for bears, which 44. is- 44. So you have to multiply wow. all the reports that you see from deaths, stroke, and myocarditis. Mm -hmm. That's And that's actually a conservative number, 44 yeah. times. So we're already looking at 400,000 deaths wow. associated, potentially associated with the, with the vaccine. vaccine. And, yeah. And what's really interesting is there appears to be a whole narrative shift Correct. And there, that one attorney that I just love, he's got the COVID and coffee blog. If, if you don't subscribe to it yet, you got to get COVID and, and coffee.com. It's at Substack. Um, oh, remind me of the guy's name. It's at the tip of my tongue. I'm not thinking about it. I'll probably think of it in a second. Um, this great attorney down Florida, he writes uh, Jeff, this. Jeff Childers? Yes, Jeff Childers. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, a lot of us have been noticing, wait a minute, how did that headline get through? Somebody's telling the truth about cloth masks. Somebody's telling the truth about whether you're like, even the CDC director is admitting there's dying with COVID because, or, and dying from COVID. They're, they're completely <laughs> different. And there's several articles. And in fact, the high wire, it's one of their little segments they did. They covered a whole lot of news stories covering all this. It's like, why are suddenly is major media feeling so free to say the things that were getting us banned from social media? They're saying things we were saying last year, but, you know, suddenly it's news rather than misinformation. What? And and he predicts that on, on March 1st, when Biden is supposed to give a State of the Union address, that his goal is, is to be able to step up to the mic um, and say, hey, we were successful. We ended this. The new variant's very mild. You can all take off your masks. Um, you know, we won. If you're elderly or susceptible, you know, keep trying to protect yourself. You know, you you probably need boosted, but everybody else, you know, he's going to have to claim a victory because right. everything is too big. There's it too is. many people speaking the truth that now he has to embrace the truth as his victory. It's, ah, classic, it's frustrating. Classic retrograde action for yeah. politicians. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like everything that got you banned is now becoming mainstream. So I'm going to, I'm going to continue playing um, Dr. Pendergrass. So he left off trying to say that, that these polio uh, vaccine fiasco were an EUA, which it's not to back his stance that this has happened before, but here we'll continue on. Uh, that we are 
no longer in that same era that we were in the 1950s where a number of vaccine printable diseases were taking lives of children of school age uh, each year. Uh, I can remember, because i am got those nice gray hairs, that uh, when I grew up, uh, every summer, children, parents were totally afraid to let their children go to swimming pools or any other gatherings in the summer for the fear of polio. I'm, I'm a little concerned, at, and so I'm going to say I do not support uh, adopting this, um, this um, uh, proposal because I do not want to be in the setting where uh, I am uh, preventing some future event from occurring. I've been on the board long enough to know that the board cannot uh, commit to, uh, you know, future rules on on uh, management of water systems or of shellfish or other things for future boards. That is something we do on a regular basis. Uh, and in the episode or in the instance of requirements for school entry, uh, we uh, have to, on an annual basis, update what are the recommendations from the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practice and the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, and we can only go to the current time in that regard. Uh, while I share the concern that um, we should be uh, very much uh, thoughtful, studious, and strict in our engagement in looking at any requirement for school entry. Um, I think that this is one where they're asking for, or the petitioners are asking for us to make decisions for future boards that I don't support. Um, so what do you, what, I mean, I just, my mind is just so blown. First of all, all government does is write rules and laws and regulations that tie the hands of people in the future, right? I mean, that's basically that's what you do. do. <laughs> that That's what you do, mister. And, um, you know, uh, when you, it, it I, I'm like so tongue tied. <laughs> it makes no Sense. So he's saying he he thinks that to flip it around, he thinks that the Board of Health has the right to mandate EUA products and um, products that have not yet completed phase three trial studies, which he does not. I mean, I really thought when they read this, I really thought when we got to this stage, they would they would deny it, but I thought they would deny it for this reason. I thought they would probably say, and I really just needed public attention because they're, yeah. they were barreling full steam ahead, starting up the tag, talking about it, you know, okay. and they, they keep saying that children are at risk and all this other nonsense. Um, so, you know, your petition was really meant to make sure we had a public conversation about what they were doing, yes. but I expected them to say, oh, this is redundant. Our criteria already says that we um, will consider fully licensed vaccines. And, you know, so we don't need this um, rule. And I, and I, you know, a little optimistically thought maybe they would 
try to calm down the fears of the thousands of people on the Zoom call and the many other thousands of people watching on TVW that know they were not going to move forward and license these products until all the trial studies were in and we knew they were going to be safe for kids, which is ridiculous because we know, <laughs> right, we've got enough evidence to know now they are not safe for children. They're not safe for anybody. They're not. In, instead, he said he wasn't going to, you know, prevent future boards from doing it. And by implication himself, just. What, this is my opinion. And what yeah. basically saying is we have the board of health needs to have the capability to uh, make uh, illegal uh, rules and enforcements mm -hmm. that violate federal law and the constitution Yeah. for the safety of the public. And again, there's so much case history showing that you'd never, there is no reason, no reason, including public health, that you mm -hmm. can violate federal law and the Constitution and the Constitution of the state of Washington. Exactly, exactly. But he, they're oblivious to it. And they, they did not even talk about our supporting evidence, the FDA quotes we gave, you know, um, and, and all the other information that cites uh, federal rules, regulations, let alone all the information about lack of effectiveness does not stop in infection, transmission, hospitalization, or death. The newest studies out, Javier, by so many days out, I forget how many, 70, 90 days out. 90 days out, the Danish study, yes. Yeah, negative efficacy. It, you're at higher risk of catching um, and they want, and then, and they think they, they even need to talk about it. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and have him keep playing here. With that, since I'm, I really would love to hear more from other members to see whether or not they agree with this premise or not. Members, um, comments. Dr. Pendergrass, I do agree with your comments. I think the future is something we would be discussing as a board whenever it comes up and cannot logically support something that is the unknown. Okay, right there. We cannot logically support something that is the unknown. How about giving an experimental vaccine to a child? Isn't that an unknown? And why are you supporting it? By definition, yeah, by definition, with no evidence of long-term effect studies. And again, we're not even talking about three years out. I mean, there are real concerns. The, the animal yeah. data was concerning enough that was coming out of Japan just yeah. on the incipients. That is the delivery mechanism, mm -hmm. not the mRNA. The delivery mechanism yeah. was concerning enough because it actually dented or inhibited reproduction in rats. Yes. Yeah. So much concerning here. Now, this this woman is Fran Besserman um, on the Board of Health. She is considered the consumer rep. A couple of years ago, um, I approached the board and, and said that Informed Choice Washington would like to have, you know, a meeting or two with Fran to bring to her our vaccine safety concerns so she can better represent us. They said she can't talk to the public. Wait a minute. She's a public <laughs> rep. For God's yes. sake. She's the consumer rep. There's supposed to be two of them, but but the second seat has been vacant for a couple of years now. And I don't not know why. It? They're, not they're not filling, filling it? it. No. Again. Um yeah, it's very concerning. So she so she just represents herself. 
And she goes along with whatever the board says. I have given her books. I gave her HPV vaccine on trial. I gave her JB Handley's book, How to End the Autism Epidemic. I've printed studies for her. I've tried, you know, this, and these were presented like back in when you could physically attend a board of health meeting. And on the break, they allowed you to walk up to them and talk to them. Um, You know, I'm sure they're quite glad we're not able to do that anymore, but I could hand the materials, you know, and look them in the eye. And, you know, people with vaccine injured children could do that. But, you know, I, anyway, I'm going to continue. Let's see. And, oh, you know what? I think I won't because in about two minutes here, uh, I'm going to stop share. We're going to, we're going to actually return. I think this is such a good conversation. And there's, there's a couple other um, board of health members who are going to speak. Um, and then of course they're going to give their vote. So, um, I, I think I'll hold off and cause we're going to take a break here in another minute and, um, and we'll finish this conversation up when we come back, Perfect. you know, in the meantime, um, let me go ahead and give you, give our listeners our studio line. If you would like to call in, if you've got comments or concerns um, that you want to call in in the next hour, our number is one 298 KKNW or 425-373-5527. Again, that's 425-373-5527. And if you attended the the Board of Health uh, 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 meeting, Mm -hmm. uh, please call in, give us your impressions and what what you would have liked to have said if you didn't have the time to say it. Yeah. Yeah, we would love to hear that. So um, I think, Nathan, I think we're ready to go to the break if you're ready to to take us on here. Um, you've been listening to an Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW. We'll be back in about five minutes. Hi, I'm Lynn Redwood, president of the nonprofit Children's Health Defense. Our chairman, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and our entire team are devoted to ending the epidemic of illnesses and disorders plaguing our children today. Through legal action, we're working to hold industries and government agencies accountable and to establish safeguards to prevent further harm. We're working overtime during this COVID-19 crisis to keep you informed about the politics and science of rush vaccine candidates. Freedom and our children's futures have never been more in jeopardy. But we can succeed. With your help, we can stop the devastation and give our children and grandchildren the healthy future they deserve. To learn more about what we're doing and how you can help, visit childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for our free news. Please visit childrenshealthdefense.org today. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. 
high above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com. Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org today. We need a Welcome back to an Informed Life Radio and 1150 AM KKNW and streaming on chd.tv. Um, with me here is Javier Figueroa. Hey, Javier. <laughs> Hello, Bernadette, and hello, everyone listening. So we've been having this conversation about the Washington State Board of Health meeting that was Wednesday, uh, and they were considering uh, the petition that Javier filed on behalf of Informed Choice Washington um, and going over the response. We're still getting to uh, to the vote. We're going to... Um, play a little bit more for you and and lead through that conversation. But I, I want to remember there's a couple other things I promised listeners that we, we would get through today. So um, I want to remember that I've got them on my tabs up here, um, Javier. So I'm going to go ahead and get that uh, playing again. Okay, I got to go learn to be a faster clicker here. Uh, <laughs> I'll get there, share, and here we go. So we left off. This was Fran Besserman, the consumer rep who's not allowed to actually talk to the, the people that she's representing with her opinion. And she just Thanks, supported Fran. Dr. Yeah, Pendergrass. this is uh, Steve Kutz. You know, you know, I don't know what process was run through back when I was in grade school. But I come, I come from the time where I had to live through measles, and I and and I'm and I'm and I still have um, nightmares and and memories of that hard time that I had when I suffered through that disease. And when the vaccines became available, I'm not really sure after that because I was in uh, first grade. But um, um, I, you know, I do know that um, this advisory board will be taking into consideration that this is not a fully fully recommended and licensed vaccine as part of their due diligence. So um, uh, hearing, uh, knowing that, uh, I am not in favor of um, accepting this um, um, request either. Okay, so let's talk about that um, a little bit, Javier. I don't know why he brought up his 
uh, atypical experience with measles. Correct. I'm sorry yeah. that as a child that he had a really bad experience, maybe because he is Native American. And, you know, there are some maybe different susceptibilities of different genetically to different people to disease. And, and maybe in the early 1950s, they didn't know about the nutrition, about vitamin A in particular, and also right. vitamin D in preventing uh, severe disease with measles. Correct. <clears throat> However, it's absolutely irrelevant to our petition mm -hmm. to prevent them mandating an experimental product. Yes. <clears throat> and not one, I did not hear a single uh, reference to the law or to science. Basically, it was based all on personal anecdote and opinion uh, and worried about that we're going to tie the hands of the, in the future. Right. That's okay. You know, that there's a reason why we have a Bill of Rights. It tied the hands of the government for future generations from denying rights. It's an inalienable. Yeah. So yeah. if you want to argue that we're tying the hands, no, we're saying follow the law. We're reminding you, follow the law. Follow that was the, the whole law. purpose of the petition was follow the law. Yes. Yes, exactly. Let's go ahead um, and play <clears throat> play a little more here. So I'd like to make a motion that the board decline the petition to initiate rulemaking to prohibit certain products from inclusion in Chapter 246-105 WAC for the reasons articulated by board members and direct staff to notify the requester of the board's decision. Second. Motion and a second on the table. Uh, further discussion from board members. I'm, I am very heartened and, and actually persuaded by many of the comments that were written and that we've heard today. Uh, I do agree that trust of government is an important component of what we do. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that so many believe that having a technical advisory committee that includes public members, professional members, uh, members from schools, members from, from the school nurses organization uh, is not a thoughtful body. Uh, I have worked with these before. I can tell you the group of people who are on this technical advisory committee are committed to doing the best job possible. By so I'm going to pause there again, Javier, and tell you my own experience of being on a technical advisory group by the Board of Health. Several years ago, um, I was invited to be a, um, I think I was like a parent rep, consumer rep type person, invited to be on the board. I was very active within Foreign Price Washington. They were still sort of being polite to me. You know, I, I learned later on that one of the, 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 one of the tactics is they try to give you a sense of empowerment by allowing you to participate in their groups as if you, so you feel important as if your voice matters. Well, let me tell you, it was really interesting because that very own Dr. Pendergrass was also the chair of this tag. And we were revising a section of code having to do with back to school mm -hmm. shots. He opened the meeting saying something like, if you believe that you want to help children be healthy, and I do, and if you want to, and if you believe in vaccines, then I do, then it's very important to have the language of the law be accurate and up to date. And he went on and on, you know, when he got all done, 
I pulled my microphone toward me and I turned it on. It's very nice to be able to be that empowered. Usually I get one to three minutes of public comment, but I had the microphone at my disposal. And I said, Dr. Pendergrass, may I say something? Um, he didn't, <laughs> he kind of looked at me, but he said, okay, right? And I said, well, I said, what's really important to know is that vaccines, there's nothing in a vaccine to make a child healthy. The only goal of a vaccine is to potentially prevent symptoms of disease if a child is exposed to that disease. That's it. It has nothing to do with the health of the child. And in the United States and in Washington State, more than half of all of the children have chronic issues, chronic health issues. Our children are very sick. Um, So I just want to clarify actually what these products can do. Thank you. And I shut off my mic and I push it aside. and, And there's like 25 people on this tag. And they were made up of the same sort of people that will be on this tag now to consider COVID-19. Yes, there's doctors, there's nurses, there may be a naturopath. We haven't been given the exact names of who's going to be on this new one. There will be people, there'll be school nurses, there'll be teachers, there will be parents and people from the public. But I have to tell you, in the tag meeting I was on, I was the only person who spoke up about the product who brought up issues of the product, was critical of the product, all of them. At one point, I was told, Bernadette, just be quiet. This is about policy, not not products. Wait a and minute. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said, okay, how can you write a policy if you don't understand the product that the parents have to choose in order to carry out the policy? And if you don't know whether or not that product can actually achieve the goals of the policy? And that's what we were talking about, the whooping cough, the pertussis vaccine that doesn't stop infection transmission, right? Right. Yeah. Anyway. So so we know that they have populated. They didn't invite Bernadette to this. They didn't. You asked to be invited. And I still hope if they're listening. Hello, Board of Health. Javier would like to be on that tag. He's got a PhD. (laughs) Nothing. Crickets. Uh, You know, I I wasn't even informed that, hey, by the way, we're going to put your agenda up on the... uh, uh, we're no. going to put your petition on the agenda. Nothing. No, the, the only reason we knew we were on the agenda is because we had submitted the petition. Yeah. And we call, we we emailed and said, hey, agenda item number 11, is that our petition? <laughs> they said, yeah, that's yours. Like, thank you for letting us know. And I think like a couple hours later, we got it. We got notice. But um, it was, you know, after the fact. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Just I wanted to shout this out to, to all the listeners. Please call in if you attended the Board of Health or if you're shocked or amazed or have something to say, 425-373-5527. And the other number is? Uh, 1-888-298-KKNW. Please call in because this was a barn burner of a Board of Health meeting. And I think this was probably the largest attendance for the Board of Health. In history, I think In history. We probably did um, hit record. So let, let's continue. It, it's not very long. The whole thing start to finish is maybe 20 minutes of the most of At them the most. even talking about it. It just it just blows me away. And again, this is this is what right? happens when you get groupthink. This is group what happens think. when you actually mm-hmm. start walking in lockstep. And it is yeah. the duty. It, it, it's the yeah. absolute duty of people in the technical uh, advisory uh, group to say, I have a concern, even if you don't believe it, 
there should be one person in each group saying, look, let's put the brakes on this for a bit. We need to mm-hmm. dig a little bit. Right. Because the moment everyone agrees with it, that's that's not that is not good policy making. No, and and as we've said before, they treat it like a religion, and they've only invited true believers onto this tag, and 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 the information that they are going to be presented with to consider is coming directly from the Department of Health, who's getting it from the CDC. So, you know, they're not going to be given the information. You know, I do hope all the thousands of uh, pages of information submitted directly to the board. They won't let us submit to the tag. They say you have to submit to the full board. I pray they're, they're sending it on to those tag members. So I sure hope so too, because this is becoming just, um, um, the dissonance is becoming too great. We have the experience of the public and then we mm-hmm. have the board of health living in a bubble. Ah, uh, yes. And one of the things that people don't oh, realize, go ahead. And, go ahead. And one of the things that you have, that your experience has been as long and because you're aware of this and have done the digging, we understand that manufacturing is a problem because mm-hmm. there are for all vaccines, there are lots of vaccines which produce serious injury and others that don't. And it's the same thing for all three of these Astra, uh, Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson and Johnson. Exactly. And again, this is something that is brought up to the board and they just decide there's no problem. Yeah. Without, as you said, they didn't give legal reasons or scientific reasons. No. They, they complete emotion and, and you'll see each and every one of them grabs a hold with both hands, like a lifeline of a reason to reject this. Pendergrass's reason um, being that they didn't want to tie the hands of future. So listen now to Temple Lutz. There we go. He's moving to her. Uh, to this board without having done very careful review of all available information. And as I said a moment ago, the realities are that on occasion, these technical advisor groups have declared do not include uh, a vaccine in the required uh, immunization program. So I am I trust the group. Yes, I am the chair, um, but I really do push very hard for these folks to be as explicit and as uh, uh, thoughtful as they can be as they review the data and the science to determine whether or not uh, a COVID vaccine should be added. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the testimony that we have heard today, um, it is compelling and, and we have been hearing it. And um, sometimes it's a little confusing because we're mixing topics at times, but um, certainly the, the emotion and the opinions of the public have, have been heard and we've, we've been hearing that. Um, while I agree with the concern that the petitioner has raised, I'm also agree with other board members about actually adding another rule and writing a new rule to put on the books um, when we don't know what the future holds. Oh, come we on. We know that this technical advisory group is a, an advisory group. And they're going through the process and both the board and the public We'll have an opportunity in the future whenever that group finishes their research um, to go through all that, just like we have before with other vaccines. And like um, you mentioned earlier, um, Dr. Pendergrass, you know, this board has in fact 
um, in the recent past um, denied a, a petition to add another vaccine to the, the school entry requirement. So I think our we have established an, an open-minded precedent where we look at the data uh, before we make a decision. And um, we don't have that data yet. And there, there's no decision to be made today or in the immediate future on um, you know, adding a COVID vaccine to uh, the, the school entry requirements. So I then why do they convene a tag in favor of exactly. denying the petition at this moment based on where we are in time? And um, yeah, I appreciate appreciate the other comments of board members. So so Javier, um, we have human rights declarations that say you cannot do medical experiments on people without their informed consent. You cannot use coercion or undue influence. And we know, in fact, the reasoning of the state law for school requirement is, how do they word it? As a means to achieve full immunization. Right. And there's other language in there. They know that it uses their power to compel uptake, to increase uptake. Um, and it, it, they act as if in the future there's going to be some plague and there's going to be some miracle thing invented that's not licensed and that nobody will choose to get it unless they mandate it. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like as if we wouldn't – if if something proved necessary, human beings have a strong self of self of uh, sense of self-preservation. Right? Absolutely. We can decide for ourselves if during some horrific zombie apocalypse, we want to take some experimental drug. That's for us to decide That's in the future and now, right? Oh, my goodness. I'm going to continue on so we can get through it. Any any further comments from board members? Oh. Yeah, I, I just I just wanted to say, Keith, um, I um, the Q&As that went there. Um, I had access to, and I continuously read through them the whole meeting as they were there and uh, took took my lunch hour to peruse through them again also. I'm, I'm not sure if anybody watching can see, and of course our listeners can't see, but I can see on the little image below that in the Q&A box during this Zoom meeting for the Board of Health, <laughs> there are 4,307 um, comments posted in the Q&A. And he went through them all on their lunch break no and, way and um thank the people for getting on here and and telling us um what they think about everything so um so i just want them to know that um i read all of the things that are there so thank you dr coinget uh, thank you. Um, I just I'm going to introduce you to Dr. Quandet. I apologize if I don't yet say his name uh, well, Quanget. Um, he is not on the Board of Health, but the Secretary of Health is Secretary Shaw, who was earlier at the meeting. Uh, he left, and Dr. Quanget is his designee, so he can speak um, as a board member uh, now because he's the designee also wanted to uh, speak in support of denying the petition um, you know the technical advisory group 
uh, will be very carefully considering uh, safety considerations uh, of the COVID-19 vaccine for children. And uh, we will be objectively evaluating the data that's available. And um, uh, I'm, I'm confident that, uh, that uh, the, the, the TAG members um, uh, will approach that with an open objective mind um, and, um, and uh, develop a recommendation uh, that really has the best interests of the children of Washington and the people of Washington in mind. Thanks. So Bernadette, I'd yeah. like to point out, and I think you pointed this out earlier, he's got a, an emblem saying vaccinate Washington. That's already showing a bias towards vaccinating with this yeah. product. Yeah, he works for the um, Washington State Department of Health. He is the chief science officer, and he's also co-chair of the TAG. So that's already quite a bit of hats wearing for a technical advisory group. Yes. And you actually need to convince, and again, even under the emergency use authorization, it says the totality of scientific evidence, and I haven't heard once any of these Board mm -hmm. of Health members discuss the VAERS data and discuss right. underreporting factors, right. and even, even point out that, you know what, there's a thousand children in the clinical trials for Pfizer. Yeah, just a thousand. Just a thousand. Right. Mm -hmm. That is epidemiologically not even meaningful no, and safety profile. Right. And the FDA acknowledged that they acknowledged in their EUA approval and everything along the way is, yeah, we know that it was too small to actually find any um, adverse reactions that might be out there. And but they did then, it anyway. They, they did it anyway. Six children or even I think it was either six or 15 children experienced some form of heart problem with this. Yeah. And there's the problem of Maddie DeGray. Yeah. Maddie DeGray was excluded because she did not get her second shot. She got mm -hmm. her first shot. She had a bad reaction. As a matter of fact, she's still paralyzed and still on a feeding tube. Yeah. And they excluded her. So there's already quite a bit of manipulation in these clinical trials. Right. And, you know, even if you set aside, this is what has so frustrated me with the Board of Health and Department of Health over the years. Even if you set aside the vaccine injuries and you only look at the effectiveness of the products the very fact that these products are so utterly failing to protect they don't stop transmission and they wane within just a couple of months if not weeks right then any protection that may have been afforded what are you talking about mandating a, a shot every five months this is insane. It's absolutely insane. And, and, you know, and then the science is talking about immune fatigue because you can't boost your way out of something. You just get immune exhaustion. And exactly. I mean, there's just so much, even if you don't consider how dangerous the products are and the, the fact that they didn't know enough that they have to wait to be presented with the data. What have you been paying attention to? Ah, oh, here we go. Thank you, Dr. Kwangat. And um, I, I will just, and comments, and then we'll call the question. Um, uh, Temple. Oh, sorry, Temple, go ahead. Thanks, I don't have um, a lot different to offer, but I just wanna offer support for the statements that have already been made. Um, I, I think that Dr. Pendergrass put it very well in his first statement uh, about this. Um, I'm supportive of denying the petition uh, for the reason of not wanting to uh, tie the hands of a future board, but at, also at the same time, for the questions that have been raised, the question that the petition raises and that have been raised uh, by folks in the community uh, and in testimony and questions today, 
this uh, technical advisory group is the process to address and remedy and try to deal with these concerns to make a determination. And I believe that it, the board has not made up its mind on that because we haven't been presented with the information yet. And this, this group uh, is full of uh, people who will bring objectivity uh, and clear-sightedness to it to make a recommendation. And we don't know where that's going to go yet. And this is the process to see. If, if I recall correctly, she's down in Clark County, and I think she's at the Clark County Department of Health or Board of Health, you mm -hmm. know, anyway, public health down there. She's still waiting to be presented with the data. Why are you making these decisions? Why are you I, mandating if you don't have the data? You don't have the data. What are you doing in your day-to-day -day life working in public health without following the data? She should be up to date on the data at this point. And so should they all. They are the board of health, for goodness sake. Yeah. So I think this is about it. I Take think we're double. getting to the vote. Yeah, and I'll just, my last comment is, is that, um, when the technical advisory group has a recommendation, we will have another meeting. Um, you know, we've seen today how of what importance this topic is to people. And I will work with Executive Director Davis so that um, when we actually have a decision in front of the board regarding adding or not adding COVID-19 vaccine to the school entry requirements, we will have a meeting where we'll um, limit the number of topics so that we are not pressed for time like we are today. And um, we'll be able to have full robust discussion and additional input from the community once we have more of the facts in front of us. So. Um, that that will be in the future. And we don't know when that will be yet because we don't know how long it will take the technical advisory group to do their work. So with that, um, there is a motion and a second on the table to deny the rule petition. Board members in favor of denying the rule petition, please state aye. 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 Board members opposed, please state nay. <laughs> There's two people Board absent. Members too. abstaining. And right, thank you. And why nobody the came on camera? We didn't get to Don't see keep. them. We didn't get to hear their vote. Uh, yes, yeah, uh, there um, is. Yeah, so that was the end of that. Um, another <laughs> topic was brought up. I'm going to stop sharing and get us back to so. Um, so that that's that's what it was, everyone. Um, and you know, I. You know, it's a little disheartening, and yet I'm so glad that we we filed that petition because I I think that what was revealed in that short discussion about their attitudes and what they felt they had the authority to do was was really important for us to know. Exactly. And I think a whole lot of people um, really are very concerned, and we will be following it closely. Uh, those tag meetings are open to the public. They will be held virtually, and we're going to do what we can to um, participate and, if possible, stream. So we're going we're gonna to see what we can do about that so that everyone can watch um, and, um, and see what's going on and see the information. And we've also got people asking, yeah. tell us who is on the tag, you know, 
Um, and tell we we want to be provided the same materials that you're providing them. Yes. We deserve to see what they're being told. And we want to know what experts you're bringing in to talk to them. And what their and financial ties are. What their financial ties are. And, you know, even though I know they're going to deny us, I, I want to keep... I want to keep asking for an opportunity for our experts to talk to them. <laughs> you yep. know, I feel um, another petition coming on another petition. I know I, I actually had one almost completely drafted that would change the rules so that they had to have repre- representation from of opposing viewpoints, right? Now, in 2017, when they updated those criteria that they're going to be using, we were very actively involved in that. And we wrote out, I don't know, it was like, uh, my co-president and I at the time wrote up like a 30, 40 page document going through each criteria. But then we had all of the pediatric, all the vaccines on the schedule we were addressing. Um, and we made some suggestions. We actually said that none of the vaccines on the schedule meet your criteria right now. Did they you don't. know? And we pointed out why, you know, um, especially the Tdap is the worst. Um, yes. And by uh, the way, I yeah. can, that one document is worth the sweat, blood and tears of everyone that put into it. That review of every single vaccine. Oh yes. The white paper from I can. Yeah. Unbelievable. Every American should read it. Every parent should read it because yeah. it really shows how the, the sleight of hands that they used, yes. how they said, oh, it's really placebo when it really isn't. It, it wasn't. Was yeah. Beautiful work, by the way. Yes. So um, Javier is referring to ICanDecide.org. Great website to explore. That's the nonprofit of Dell Bigtree and others. They're, you know, they've got the high wire, the wonderful program that we talk about a lot here. I can decide.org. You go there, you're going to see their white papers that Javier's talking about. You're going to see their communication with the NIH, yes. CDC, the FDA, holding them accountable, asking for information, suing them to get the information that we deserve to know about the products they're forcing on us. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very good. Um, but you know, I, yeah, I don't know, you know, we're, we had a great, um, Q and a session last night that, you know, we kind of went live with, with people all over Washington state, um, attending, you know, we're going to try to figure out how do we move forward? Um, what do we do, but we get louder, we get bigger. I know that's part of the equation. Um, yeah, so so there we go. That that was it. Um, it was good to review that. And you know what I want to do next? Uh, I promise. Let's go ahead. A couple of things. I promised I would tell viewers and listeners on this episode today. Where? Let me see. I, one of them is I was going to tell people where you can go find. Show me the money. <laughs> Okay. So remember last week I was talking about how on the high wire, AJ DePriest was on there, the gal from Tennessee, who's got this Mm -hmm. great group that are doing deep research. They are phenomenal. And she talked about all the money and um, that was being fed to schools and that came with strings attached that you had to be following CDC guidelines. Um, So we're going to be trying to stay on top of that topic for our listeners and viewers. So there is a website, the National Education Association, and if you go to nea.org, nea.org, and if you just search for 
federal emergency aid, you're going to come up with this page that I'm looking at right now, which is NEA's Guide to Federal Emergency Aid Amounts, Uses, and Requirements. So if you scroll down on this page, you're going to see a map of the United States. There we go. So I'm going to click on Washington as a demonstration, and it pulls up that um, the total state and local aid to education is $7.103 billion, with a B. Okay. Um, it's, it's astounding. And then there are two downloads that you can um, download onto your computer. One is the Washington Federal Emergency Aid for Public Education. Download that because that's going to give you the specifics of how it can be spent and all the rules and reporting <coughs> that has to be done. That's where you're going to find the strings and the language there. The other one is a PDF, and I'll pull that one up. Let's see if it follows me there. Is it going to pull up? Oh, not there. Uh, uh, let's see if it's going to pull up. Um, oh, it's going down on the bottom. Oh. Got it. Let me know on your end. It takes a second to load. It's a it's a pretty big um, Nothing yet. document. Okay. Are you seeing it now? No. Federal emergency aid. I'll go ahead and stop sharing and that maybe I'll come back to it. Um, let's go there. Go here. And I'll try again because I want to read to you and show you how you can do the... Um, maybe it won't pull it up because it's PDF. Nope. There it is. No, I think you should yeah. be able to get it. There we go. There we go. Perfect. Yeah. There so it, it gives you... Yeah. The, the total amount is, uh, you know, $2.6 billion. And you can go down and you can find your county. Um, so you're in King County, aren't you there? Javier? Yes, I am. Yeah, you're in the big county. So you got to show me the big money. Let's see if I know my alphabet. Um, E-F-G-H-I. Why am one, I not saying more. King? Click a tap. Why am I not saying? Oh, you're these right, are school districts. districts. So let me yep. go. Um, they've got county and school districts. So let's look at the Seattle school district. Here we go. Seattle School District is getting a total of 145 million and some odd change mm -hmm. pumped into the school. Um, and a big chunk of that money, I believe, is the ESSER 3, they call it, is tied to, to carrying out COVID. Um, yeah, you know, distancing, masking, um, quarantine, disinfection, and very heavily promoting and encouraging and integrating um, vaccination. They, right. they, uh, the language seems to is stop shy of requiring. They can't do that, but they do all but require. They certainly require um, putting using some of these funds to put the pressure on parents. To exactly. Vaccinate. So you in know. other words, there's money there to promote the agenda of private corporations and, yeah. and basically provide marketing, taxpayer funded mm -hmm. marketing for these vaccines or these yes. inoculants. I won't call them vaccines. They haven't been mm -hmm. proven to be vaccines. They're mm -hmm. inoculations. Yep. It's there. So go read those carefully. Um, I I'm still exploring it. I'm still following the work of AJ DePriest and what she's doing. Um, she is now exploring exactly what the teeth are in this. And if you do not 
comply in a way that they like? Do you have to give the money back? Are there ways to use this money that actually improves school safety? We know that you can improve your HVAC system. That's good for for, for health in the building. Absolutely. Um, right? There are things that can be done. So, you know, there may be ways to be very creative to use these funds that don't put children in harm's way, that don't force them to continue to wear masks or don't use coercion to get them to vaccinate. Um, but there may be strings that require that. I don't know yet. So hopefully next week we'll report more. Absolutely. Um, but in the meantime, you can study this information, take it to your uh, board of health members, find out if they're feeling pressure to do what they're doing because of the money. Um yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing I wanted to make sure that I shared with people is this really cool thing. Now, did the share jump over to the state public health legislation database, Javier? Not yet. No. Okay. If it gets there, let me know. Um, this is really cool. Now, I, I subscribe to a um, to this association's newsletter. Uh Reshare again. Yeah. Reshare yeah. it again. Did what you Re did last time. Okay. We'll do that again. Stop sharing. And do, 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 do. so, you know, I, I do encourage, you know, it does fill up your mailbox when you, when you join, you know, the yes. emails of so many organizations that you feel like you actually are not aligned with, but it helps you understand what they're doing. Um, and, and keep on top of things. And, you know, just once in a while, they've got a tool that's useful to you. So uh, I, are we seeing that? Yay, we're seeing that now. NCLS. And so this, yeah. NCSL, so, sorry. NCSL. And, you know, we got to figure out how to get them information because they're very heavily lobbied. And right. I guess shame on us that we have not yet figure it out or reached out to them, begin to send them our information because certainly the pharmaceutical industry um, lobbies them a lot, sends them information, treats them to educational seminars and such. I suppose we ought to be doing the same thing. Um, but they created this great database because there's so much legislation yes. that has to do with public health. So they created this database and look at these, what you could choose topics um, vaccines, insurance and workforce, vaccine requirements, public health workforce. It's really just amazing. So let's go ahead and look just for example purposes. We'll pull up Washington State. Okay. And let's just go down to um, vaccine requirements just there to narrow go. what pops up. And let's search and see what we've got going on in Washington State. So we've got Washington House Bill 1006 that was dropped in 2021, and it's the right to decline an immunization or vaccination that was filed by uh, Clippert, Representative Clippert. We've got a Washington House Bill 1065 uh, filed by uh, Representative Eslick, who was my representative. Um, and this is about epidemic and pandemic vaccines. And it, it rewrites the epidemic and pandemic laws. And it addresses all the systemic problems that happened. It helps include the people who were excluded from decision making process, it excludes those entities that um, put their nose in where they didn't belong. 
<laughs> empowers the people, re it respects more the Constitution. And I haven't read it in a while, but I do know it fairly well because I was one of the drafters of this bill. Yes. So I'm, yeah. So I'm, I love to see that one come back. I mean, even if it needs to take a couple of years to come forward and maybe be edited or such, I think if people go read that bill, they're going to see suggestions how to address the systemic problems that got us into this mess. Exactly. And yeah. do you remember that, uh, that one piece of legislation that uh, you and I worked on trying to set basically a criteria for declaring pandemics? Basically, hey, a Javier, this is it. Yeah, this is uh, yeah, it, right? Right, right. I was waiting for you to say I was an author too. <laughs> oh no, that was you're the one that drove that. I just, I just, I just taught in a couple yeah. ideas there. Yeah, you did, you did great, and of course, your review and editing is so um, is so vital because of your education and experience. Well, so yeah, you. that that's the bill I, that we that's worked on bill. together. All yeah, right. 1065. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool, huh? It's only listing those two. I don't know why. It's really behind the scenes. So let's change the criteria. Let's take it off of vaccine requirements because there's a lot more there's really good lot. bills in Washington oh, yeah. State it hasn't picked up yet. Um, public health treatment. Um, all righty then. Vaccine access. No, we don't want that. Insurance and workforce. Let, let's check out vaccine insurance and workforce. There we go. And just see if they've got anything in Washington. Um, no, they're not finding anything. So I guess it's not as complete as I had hoped, but maybe it's still feeding into the system. Um, um, I'm going to go ahead and stop sharing. And But I will pull up another database that we use that is on our website that we keep populated with bills that we support or oppose. Um, and I do want to, um, in case we do have um, listeners from the Board of Health, Public Health, or the legislature, know that um, Informed Choice Washington is both a C3 and a C4. But this program, um, and this episode in particular, is funded by our C4. Yes, we can talk about legislation. Yep. Um, and that's why we went through the work of, of becoming a C4 so that we could lobby and um that's what we're going to, this is, we need a louder voice. So this is, Correct. this is what we're doing. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's give that number again. If there's anybody listening today who attended that board of health meeting, or even if you didn't, you've got concerns or thoughts you want to share with us, give us a call at 1-888-298-KKNW or 425-373-5527. Um, you know, it, I had to laugh during, during just, just before they like went to lunch, I needed to run up in the property with my husband. We're trying to find a spring. Um, Oh, yay. We've got a call. I'll tell you that, that in a minute. That story. Um, yeah. Yeah. In a minute, we've got Jackie from Carnation on the line. Hi, Jackie. Hey, uh, love your guys show. I get so emotional. Just wanted to say, I'm just so respect your, uh, truth and your courage and uh, how would I Thank say you. championing for for health and freedom. Thank you. Is that a rooster in the background? Are you you on a farm? Yeah. In a carnation? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I have a rooster farm. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's yeah. great. Heart of compassion here. Get back yeah. to nature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, the reason I, I just wanted to chirp in for a moment, 
Uh, because I heard about um, the board meeting, and of course, there was a lot to talk on that. But the one thing that stood out that I could um, share my experience when I had measles when I was a kid, and that is um, they had measles parties. And, mm-hmm. you know, when a, when a kid got measles, then moms would, hey, your kid's got measles, I'm going to send the kids over. And there you go. That, but it, it increased the immune system. And as a matter of fact, yeah. with my kids, uh, luckily I, I had learned about uh, naturopathy and homeopathy. So I was duped into the vaccine thing when they were born many, many years ago till I found out, and then I realized, hey, they don't need to have that mm-hmm. poison in their body. But um, so I think their immune system's a lot stronger too. So yeah. anyway, I just wanted to share my experience and for listeners that you know <clears throat> might think, oh no, that was horrible. Actually, it's good yeah. for you. You want to run that through your body because you're stronger. And I'm yeah. extremely healthy. I'm a senior and. I haven't had any, you know, how do I say, uh, injections and, and all mm-hmm. of that. So anyway, I yeah. just wanted to to um, share that well, piece so there isn't kind of a, a twisted propaganda thing. There going you go. On. Well, Jackie, thank you. I do thank you so much for your call and for sharing your experience. And, you know, what's really important here is people's experience is their experience. Yep. Historically, um, once we got clean water and good food, that sort of thing in, in industrialized nations, measles, for the most part, ceased being a dangerous disease. It, it was something children experienced. A lot of parents said that after they had the measles, they were more mature and other things changed. We know now it confers protection against certain forms of cancer and immune um, Mm -hmm. immunity is lifelong when you get the disease. But I I also Mm -hmm. want to respect like board member um, uh, um, Lutz's experience because his experience mm-hmm. was he was scared he had a, he had a bad disease. Now it's it's atypical. It was not typical, true. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry he went through that experience. Um, it shows that you know we have to have broad policies that encompass, there's always going to be the outliers and we want to respect those Mm -hmm. outliers without punishing everybody. You know, did we really need to Mm -hmm. vaccinate every child on the planet for measles because, Mm. or, you know, a certain percentage of them were low in vitamin A or D or whatever, now that we know, um, or were mm-hmm. susceptible, or could we have done ring style vaccination, say, or there you go, and mm-hmm. and then encouraged everybody to make sure their diet includes the nutrients that they need to stay healthy. But what Absolutely. they did by having mass yeah. vaccination program is they denied every single child who got it lifetime immunity because the studies show right. it wanes, and there's about a Uh, at least one third of the adult population who are fully vaccinated for measles are now fully susceptible to measles as adults when it's more dangerous to get. Now I do believe it's going to be treatable vitamin A and D and you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I can't help but wonder the, um, of course I, I absolutely feel that the pharmaceuticals 
is the driving force um, with this uh, propaganda and duping everybody into extreme fear. And that's been there mm-hmm. for a long time because you look back years and years ago, not many people got cancer. Why is everybody getting cancer now, for example? Yeah. But yeah. I inherently really believe that our, um, our human body and our immune system and absolutely nutrition, um, looking oh, yes. at all, you know, fresh yes. air, uh, nature, uh, good water, uh, mental state, our spiritual mental state is yes. huge in yes. um, uh, talking to our immune system. I am healthy. You know, so <laughs> I think it's kind of uh, put like a, this kind of pacifier in our consciousness yeah. that we need to protect ourselves without even realizing we're like, you know, chemotherapy. We're sabotaging our body from yeah. the, uh, the natural force. And that's why I love homeopathy because it, it's looking at the spiritual and the mental and the psychological, the whole energy field of the person. So I yes. think more and more as we move forward and um, uh, be more open-minded and have more space and room for that without being, you know, squashed by, you know, the powers that be because they're, they're driving, the, I mean, cancer's big business, money, you know. Oh, exactly. On and on and on. The the darkness of this whole scope of um, yeah. this control, people have no idea. Uh, but <clears throat> anyway, even apart yeah. from that, I absolutely still feel that the power of our mind and our energy far, uh, you know, exceeds the uh, whatever the fear-based agenda is and it'll be in the future and there's a whole lot of it in the past so it never goes away but we as vibrational beings um can absolutely um you know raise our vibrational frequency to be in a very powerful healing force and so it is mental and spiritual and physical it isn't you know we're not these you know limited beings at all yeah. Jackie, thank you so much for your call. I think, Javier, I think we need to do an, a, a show on, on energy. And I would love to hear you as a scientist talk about humans as energy and then maybe even well, ha- and then have it. other people yeah. on from the spiritual side mm-hmm. of energy and see where we collide, you know? <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. yeah. Jackie, well, thank I'm you so much for scientist. your... scientist. Yeah. So let me yeah. throw that in there. I'm not a scientist, uh, yeah. but I am definitely... I don't want to say what field I'm in, but <laughs> I am a yeah. professional. Let me say that. <laughs> yeah. There's so much going on right now. <laughs> okay. All right. I don't want to be shut down. Let's put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, thank you. Right yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, oh, okay. Thank you. And great bye-bye. work. Yeah. Keep, <laughs> thank keep you. Um yeah, so uh, I, ha- I had a quick thought, and I do want to show people where they can go look at the good bills. That's so important. But but real quick, I want to say, for any skeptics that that your mind can actually heal and that your mind is part of wellness, all you have to do is think of the opposite, because there's a ton of studies, and people are very readily believe that stress can kill you. If you repeat over and over to yourself, I am sick, I'm tired, you will become sick and tired. And, you know, if a doctor tells a a completely well person that they're about to die 
because the test, you know, test results came back, you're going to die. Some people have been known to die because they were told they're going to die. Yeah. We cannot underestimate the power of the mind and we can't separate that mind body connection. That is so important. I'm so glad that Jackie brought that up because we need to focus on, on energy. Um, I think that would be a very good uh, thing. Go ahead, Javier, while I, while I get those bills pulled up. Absolutely. And I have to say that, you know, as a, as a trained scientist, uh, my training was in uh, uh, material reduction. The philosophy is materialist reductionism. We're basically, uh, you know, we're focused on just what we can measure and what we can weigh in the material world. Mm. And reductionism means basically taking apart things in the hope that we can synthesize something from those parts into a working model that would allow us to uh, basically understand how the whole system works. Hmm. So that's that's the basis of the philosophy. There's no discussion about mind. There's no discussion about consciousness, which is an ongoing discussion between uh, several camps in the field of uh, neuroscience and consci- consciousness research, which involves camps for basically saying we're just all meat robots in a meaningless <laughs> universe, or you know that, that consciousness resides some, somewhere outside of the body. Mm-hmm. So these are all hypotheses that are being discussed by people from very varied backgrounds, psychology, sociology, physics, chemistry, that are coming together trying to understand how this works. So the idea that somehow we have to exclude, um, you know, non-material, there are ways to measure it. There yeah. are ways to uh, incorporate it into a scientific discussion. Yeah, that's fantastic. Let, let's let's plan a show around that. I would love to do that. We've only got like a minute left. So I want to just tell listeners and the audience, you can go to informchoicewa.org and look on the vaccine law tab, go to the bills. And there you're going to find for Washington State, for the Washington 20, 2022 legislative session, some of the bills that we are following. You'll see on the right ICWA bill watch list. Um, there are bills that came back from last year. Mm-hmm. And so you'll see, I'm scrolling through, um, Washington HB 1317 relating to an individual's right to refuse health related measures. Um, I love HB 1680, an act relating to recognizing the lasting immune protection resulting from recovery from COVID-19. Yay. HB 1695, an act relating to reforming the means by which the legislature establishes operating procedures. I'm not quite sure what that one's about. Uh, 1720, an act relating to protecting the right of every Washington resident to decline in immunization or vaccination for COVID-19. You know, it just goes on and on. Um, There are some fantastic bills that have been filed this session. People really want to um, take Washington State back. People mm-hmm. love the state. And I hear the music. It was a great episode with you. Yes, Hopper. it was. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Everybody been listening to an Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW. We will be back next week. Bye, everyone. During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more, 
inexpensive, unpatentable drugs can be added to the nutrient therapies to improve outcomes. It's time each and every one of us empower ourselves with this knowledge. We need not ever bring our lives to a halt again. We can both save lives and retain the liberty that nourishes us body and soul. Learn more at HealthyImmunityNow.org. That's HealthyImmunityNow.org. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com. Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org today.